You put your all into delivering quality and value on time. And when your customer doesn't pay, it doesn't just hurt your feelings. It hurts your business. At MetCredit, we get it. We collect overdue receivables fast and treat your customers with respect. Go to MetCredit.com to get started. MetCredit, we get it. This is Overdue Advice, the podcast about how and why debt collection works for your business. Brought to you by MetCredit. Everybody pay up. Welcome to Overdue Advice. My name is Bryn Griffiths. Well, it's something that's not often talked about. It was all the fashion 20 plus years ago, and then it went away, only to see it come back in recent years. We're talking about debt protest, and they are called debt protesters. Now, on today's episode, we'll try to clarify what exactly this is, why some people are like that, and what can be done about it, and why it's not a good thing to try. Joining us today, MetCredit's Manager of Corporate Integrity and Legal Strategies, Tim Browatsky, and also Kingston-based lawyer, Sean Butt. Tim's been with MetCredit for over 19 years, and during his time with the team, he manages legal inventory, risk escalations and regulatory inquiries, along with dealing with legal partners, compliance, and privacy. And Sean's been in practice for over 13 years, and the majority of that has been acting on behalf of creditors from small businesses all the way up to financial institutions. And he is no stranger to dealing with debt protests, and we'll have some interesting insight today. So debt protests, what is it, how to recognize it, and how to deal with it? Hey guys, thanks for being with us on this episode. It's uh, great to have you both on. Hey Sean, let's uh, let's start with you. Can you kind of break this down for everybody? What exactly is a debt protester and uh, who deals with them? Sure. So a debt protester is someone who is engaging in a tactic to avoid payment of their debt. Now, these tactics are illegitimate tactics. Um, and we call them debt protesters. The courts have another name for them. It goes back to a an Alberta court decision in 2012. They call them OPCA litigants. That's short for uh, Organized Pseudo-Legal Legal Commercial Argument, and that's a mouthful, so we call them debt protesters. Yes. And basically, why we say that it's an illegitimate debt elimination process as compared to, say, bankruptcy, for example, is that they're basing their arguments on philosophies that, frankly, don't make any sense, um, and have been discredited by the courts again and again. And uh, I can give you an example, if you like, as to how, how crazy these arguments are. Sure, and absolutely. So, Go for it. So one of the more common arguments is what we call the split person argument. This is an argument where the debtor will say that at their birth, they were you know, given their social insurance number long before they had any choice. And then they say that at that point, they were split in two. The person associated with the social insurance number is what they call their juristic person, which is different than their, their, their flesh and blood person, their self, right? And so conveniently, all of their debts, right, that might be tax obligations because there's tax protesters as well, or their debts um, belong to the juristic person. But conveniently, the things like their assets, like their houses, their cars, that belongs to the flesh and blood person. And so, 
you asked who are the people who would typically encounter debt protesters, it's people that are owed a debt um, and typically creditors. And also, of course, the Canadian government, if they're if they're protesting, having to pay their tax. And this is the argument that they use, that it's not them that owes it and you can't come after my assets. How busy does this keep you? Uh, so a little bit less now. Um, this was a very popular, um, I would say, going back to about 2006, 2007, and it petered out a little bit around 2014, 2015. And that may have been a result of that uh, 2012 Alberta decision. It's called Meads and Meads. And the court really took it upon itself in that decision to explain to everyone what these individuals were doing. But, um, and Tim can speak to this a bit more, uh, we're seeing it again, um, and that it truly never has gone away. It does show up from time to time. So it keeps me less busy now than it did back then, but we're seeing it surface again, and that may uh, be a result of um, COVID, for example. People have found themselves in some dire straits. But uh, Tim, I was speaking to Tim separately yesterday about this, and he had brought a, a good example of the kinds of things that we're seeing that are going on in the United States right now. Yeah, Tim, you've been with MedCredit for, what, 19 years? Yes, 19 years. And I'm guessing this does keep you busy. It does keep us busy. Um, it keeps me busy. Part of my job with MedCredit is to mitigate risk to, uh, to the corporation, but also to our clients. And what these uh, debt protesters are doing, um, as, as Sean had mentioned, it's, it's a scheme that they uh, purports to eliminate debt. So, you know, a, a lot of this is based on a bunch of nonsense. And so on a regular basis, I'll receive, um, you know, notices from, you know, individuals, whether it be uh, registered mail or otherwise, you know, uh, making excuses of why they don't have to pay. And a lot of these things, you know, come under the guise of it being a legal document. Um, you know, at the top of the, the notice, it might say something like, you know, notice of copyright violation, notice of third party interventions. You know, if you don't respond to them in a certain period of time, you, you default and you owe them $1 million. And where this gets um, a little, uh, you know, dangerous or risky is, from time to time, those individuals are able to register those false um, uh, claims against that corporation. It's happened many times, um, and it's happened to Met Credit, and, and we've had uh, you know million dollar registrations with the personal property registry that were completely false and had cost thousands of dollars to have them removed. Um, and so it's it, it's a process that's um, you know very risky. Um, if you if you don't understand what you're dealing with, or if you don't deal with it properly, and and, and it's something I have I've a pile of on my desk that I have to go through. And and you know, and, I'll, and from time to time, I'll, I'll review this with my clients, and I'll review them with Sean, and we we need to make a decision sometimes to to litigate these matters. Has this increased dramatically over the last two years? Let's say, Sean, let's start with you. I, I hadn't actually seen it in, in, in a couple of years. It was my it was my sole practice, actually, for a time, almost my sole practice. Um, and as I indicated, it petered out. But I hadn't seen them in forever until Tim started sending me over the uh, uh, sending me examples over the last, uh, I would say, I don't know, maybe in the last year or so. Uh, and I'm. I'm surprised to see it again because it's, like I said earlier, it's been discredited by courts, I mean, all over this country. The courts, I, th I think they know, they recognize it when they see it. Perhaps judges are 
learning about or when they're a new judge, perhaps educated in seminars, um, they certainly recognize it. But we are seeing it again. I see the cases pop up from time to time when I'm reviewing case law uh, in the area of, you know, of creditors' rights. Um, and so uh, it, it is, I wouldn't say that it's as massive as it was, but I was surprised um, to find out uh, from Tim. I know that Tim has been sending me, um, you know, examples from time to time. Um, and I can say, sorry, just as an aside, I can say that when Tim sends me an example, he's asking the question, like, is this an example of debt protest? He, it's always without, almost without exception. I can't think of like maybe one time in, in, in the over 13 years that I've been working with Tim, have, has he been wrong about one? Uh, it, it, it's, it, once you know what it is, you recognize it. I'm surprised to find out that Tim is seeing as many per week as it is because he's only giving me the ones that he has concerns about or ones where they might can be considering pursuing a legal action against the debtor. So I, I was actually, I hadn't seen it for a while, but then I'm surprised to see that, it, that it's that it's back in the limelight. Yeah, I, I, I would say that, yes, there is uh, an increase. And, you know, uh, over the last five years, I think that there's a, a general belief in disinformation. You know, you can see that. Uh, in a lot of the things that we're dealing with nowadays from, you know, anti-vaccinations to the U.S. election. Um, and so there is this increase that uh, I think, you know, I, I guess you can blame it on the Internet. But if, you know, you owe money, it would be nice for it just to disappear and not have to pay. And if you, if you don't have a job, um, these individuals are kind of drawn to these these websites and getting false information. And so you are generally seeing during the pandemic increase of this. So once you recognize what you have, I guess the first question I would have is how do you respond to that? And I guess we'll start with you, Sean. Uh, Can I just add a build on something that, that, yeah, I, you know, when I, when I first uh, was introduced, you know, to to these kinds of litigants, obviously I'm looking at it from, from the legal perspective, um, one of the things that we noted, we would see um, what we would call groups, groups of debt protesters, because, you know, a particular creditor such as a bank would be sending all of this you know, to our firm. And uh, so we would see everything from a high level. And uh, it, what we found was that usually behind all of this, there's what we would call a guru. In other words, debtors are being sold this by someone. Right. So which is unfortunate because if they are in debt trouble already, um, they, they don't need to be spending money on this nonsense. And so they're, you know, in my view, they're being taken advantage. I mean, on the other hand, I think they're adults and they should know what they're doing. But at the same time, I think they're being taken advantage of in a desperate situation as well. Both things can be true, but they would learn about this typically in like seminars. These people would or- organize it uh, similar to the way that someone might, you know, bring you into a Ponzi scheme, for example. Um, they would even have radio broadcasts, you know, giving it some sort of air of legitimacy. But now, yes, I think a lot of it is coming from online. And just to build on what Tim was saying about, you know, what's going on in the United States and in various other areas is that, you know, we're all online all the time now, but getting you know legitimate information online is not always the best source of information. And so, yeah, I, I do think a lot of that is, is coming from the online world where it's difficult sometimes to fact check. The single biggest cause of bad debt write-offs is procrastination. 
With every day you wait, the chances of ever getting paid go down. At MetCredit, we get it. We collect business receivables fast. And if we don't succeed, you don't pay. Go to MetCredit.com and stop waiting for money you deserve. MetCredit, we get it. And then what about the response, Tim? How do you respond to this kind of thing once you've recognized it for what it is? Well, I mean, that's the whole point, right? You want to make sure that you recognize what, what's going on and, and then you have to assess the risk. What's, what's the risk to uh, the corporation? What's the risk to your client? And, and then you need a mitigator response. And whether it's just sending out a notice or, you know, looking at that specific matter uh, or file that it's related to, uh, closing that file, or, you know, escalating that and actually responding um, with, with uh, you know, a demand uh, or, or an originating notice through the courts. So, Sean, is this really like a stall technique for people that want to pay up? Yeah, usually um, usually by the time I'm contacted by a client, um, there's, some, there's something going on. And it's one of two things or both. Uh, the first is someone is engaging in this tactic, um, while at the same time the creditor is owed a significant amount of money. Um, the the debt protester may have you know viable assets, right, or an ability to pay the debt, but are trying to avoid it for whatever reasons, and so they uh, the creditor wants to take legal action against them. And the other thing too is that these um, people who engage in these tactics can at times be quite aggressive. Uh, Tim's made reference to this earlier and they will do things uh, like sue the creditor, sue the executives of the creditor, including like at financial institutions, they'll sue the CEO of a bank. Um, they will attempt to do things like obtain, uh, depending on what province you're in, but financing statements registered against you, that state that you owe them, you know, millions of dollars. Um, they can be quite troublesome. And one of the things, uh, one of the ways that debt protest has been described is paper terrorism. So one of the things that they do is they inundate creditors with tons and tons of paperwork. And it's all, when you look at it, I mean, it all on the surface appears to be garbage. And you think, well, you know, they're just sending all of this stuff. And I don't want to read it all because it's all the same thing. It's all nonsense. But if you go through it, uh, for some of those uh, individuals who can be quite aggressive, you can see them laying the groundwork in there. You can see, unlike others who are just doing, dipping their toe in the water, seeing if this will work, you can, you can sort out the ones that are going to take the tactics like this because buried in all of that nonsense, are, there are threats against the creditor to take those kinds of actions. Absolutely. No, no doubt in my mind that that's what it is. I mean, if, if we could eliminate our debt, everybody would be doing it, right? I mean, uh, one, of the, one of the common things that they claim is that the banks make money out of nothing, therefore I owe nothing. Um, I mean, you know, it makes sense, but it's just not, it's not legally binding. Uh, but it's, a, it's an excuse that they use not to pay. The other thing too, it's it almost seems like this is a profession for some of these people. It, it, is am I getting a horrible read on that, or are there some people that you can see maybe there's a bit of a track record? Sean, do you want to take that one? Yeah, I mean, some people. Well, there's two. There's two sets of people. There, like I said, there are the people who are you know that we believe are peddling this nonsense, and really they fall into two categories too. Some of them 
uh, I mean, we expect very well that they're just trying to take advantage of these people in, in unfortunate situations. But then I also think that there are people that are invested in this as well um, uh, that actually believe it. They're, I mean, the, some of the people that are behind this are associated with groups um, you may have heard of them. Sometimes they call themselves sovereign citizens. Sometimes they call themselves free men on the land. These are um, the t- groups and philosophies that have made their way up from south of the border. That's where they originated. And they really, uh, underlying their philosophy is they don't really believe that the laws of the land apply to them at all, generally. I mean, they will refuse to get licensed when they drive a car. Right? They don't pay their taxes. They don't pay their debts. I have a 14-year-old, and I'm always talking about for your action, there's a consequence. Now, there's got to be consequences through all of this. Uh, Tim, do you want to pick it up there? Yeah, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm going through a, a court case right now where um, our client has been inundated with these false motions and claims um, against by an individual who you know, originally had only requested his wet signature of a contract, and if he didn't get it, then, uh, you know, he didn't have to pay the debt. And now uh, Met Credit and um, our lawyers have been brought into this. Um, And at the end of the day, um, we've had cost awards against this individual. And so not only does he have to pay that debt back to our client, he has to pay the cost awards that have been awarded to Met Credit and our lawyers. And so he's now paying thousands and thousands of dollars more than what he would have had to if he had just dealt with the debt right from the beginning. Tim, how do you turn a negative situation like this into a positive? Can you, can you do it? It's a nuisance. At the end of the day, I, I, I communicating with somebody who's reasonable and that's going to listen to you, educate them that this is really not going to help them. But once it gets to this point, they're far in between. Uh, once they've made these decisions, they're getting this information from somewhere and and they've made their mind up. So there's not a lot of a win-win when you're dealing with these people. And a frustration level's got to be high too, Sean. Yeah. I think, you know, from from a creditor's perspective, you know, if there are any positive results, um, you know, some of the things uh, that we can do in terms of how we approach this, I indicated earlier, sometimes you see a particular group from a particular region, for example, uh, in, engaged in this kind of conduct. What you can do sometimes is look at all of the cases and you can determine sometimes if you have a dozen or more people who's really driving this, right? Sometimes there's one person in that group that's really driving it. And they may be a person who is, you know, it might surprise you as a professional, for example, someone who has means. And uh, what we, you know, often do in those cases is we pick that individual first. If the creditor wants to take legal action to recover the money of its own, pick them. And I mean, this might sound harsh, but it's to make an example, to show to the other people that it's it's not going to work. And the fact is, is that it doesn't work. In a legal setting, there are no examples of success in a legal setting. I, I, again and again, the, this has been discredited by the courts. And so, I mean, I guess that's a positive for the creditor in, in those in those circumstances. But once you're dealing with them, it is, um, it is quite difficult. Well, let me throw this one at both of you. There's got to be times where you, you see this. And you think you've seen it all. And we can't get specific, obviously, but 
there've got to be some times where you continue to shake your heads and go, I never saw that coming. Sean, we'll start with you. Are you constantly surprised? Um, I think I am. It doesn't matter how many times I encounter it. One of the things that always surprises me is because, I mean, it's just such, for any rational individual, it is such clear nonsense. And when we get to the point where we are in a legal action and they have filed a statement of defense arguing these unusual and discredited theories, I am surprised that they can walk into a courtroom in front of a judge and make these arguments. I mean, myself as a lawyer, I mean, I have been practicing for over 13 years. And every time I go into a courtroom on behalf of a client, I always have, you know, a healthy amount of of nervousness because we're going before a judge who has the right, you know, his role is to make a decision about my client, right? And so you have to, so to go in there, um, obviously the judiciary is, 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 you know, some people that I respect, right? So for people to go in and disrespect the court for me and just make these arguments in front of a judge, it just astounds me every single time. Well, as Sean said, you know, you see new things all the time. Um, but, you know, uh, nothing really surprised me. Okay, so how is Met Credit's approach to all of this? Let's get started with that. Yeah, well, we view it as it's part of our job, and I think... Um, one of the big reasons that uh, we want to have this podcast is we want to make sure that other people recognize, um, you know, their tactics and ensure that they're, you know, uh, taking steps to protect their interests, their clients' interests, and that they're responding to it appropriately. Well, that's it for today's episode of Overdue Advice. A big thank you to Tim and Sean for joining us with all their time and insight on today's topic of debt protests. MedCredit is on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at MedCredit. You can also check out Brian Sommerfeld's blog. It's easy to find it, too. It is blog.medcredit.com. That site also includes numerous helpful tools and calculators to assess your business debt risk. We also would love to hear from you. So subscribe, like, or leave us a review on this or any of our podcasts. And make sure that you share this podcast with your friends or business associates, too. You can drop us a line at overdueadvice at medcredit.com. Overdue Advice, the podcast is about cash flow strategies to grow your business. I'm Bryn Griffiths. run a business, you're successful. You don't wait for things to happen. You make them happen. So why aren't you collecting what's owed to you? The longer you wait, the less chance you'll ever see a cent. So call Met Credit. We're your local debt recovery team, serving businesses of all sizes since 1973. And don't worry, we play nice. We're here to uphold your reputation and relationships. And speaking of nice, if we don't collect, you don't pay. Zero risk. Get to know us for when you need us at metcredit.com.